Seat of Wisdom. This is Deacon Kevin Blendauer again with Father Ron Kalis. Welcome back, Ron. Thank you, Kevin. That was wild music that it you started was. with there today. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, it certainly was. Uh, it's my homage to a, a Father Don Calloway. He's a Catholic priest of the Congregation of Marian Fathers, but I want to come back to him really briefly as uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. And this is a gospel where Jesus, uh, as you recall, Peter jumps out of the boat and recognizes the Lord on the shore cooking breakfast already because they were out all night. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter, Peter answered him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He says to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, do you love me? Now, Peter was distressed at this third time. Sounds familiar, right? Around the campfire, maybe what Peter said, do you love me? Mm -hmm. he, Jesus said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And Jesus concludes by saying, he said, this signifying what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when he said this, he said to him, follow me. Two simple words. So there's at least, I, I, there's at least three directives in here. Um, tend, feed, and follow. And uh, I, I said, I think I found an old-fashioned logic principle of, that I noticed of Jesus is an if-then principle. And if you love me, then follow me. If you love me, then feed my sheep. And if you love me, then tend my sheep. Um, it's, so my question today was for everyone, uh, was the last two words of Jesus was follow me. And what does that mean to you? What does it mean when Jesus says to you personally, follow me? And one thing I wrote down was that um, it doesn't mean only following the rubrics of the church, right? It means uh, something kind of an old, uh, from the 90s, there was people walking around with wristbands and headbands of WWJD. Uh, it was, uh, what would Jesus do kind of as a, as a guide, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Ron, your thoughts. This is one of my favorite gospel texts from way back because of the humanness of it all. Uh, they're out there fishing. Now this happened after the uh, resurrection and they were all confused and hurting. And so let's go back and do something we were comfortable with, see if we can't find ourselves in the midst of all this uh, upheaval that has taken place in our life and the fact that Jesus has overcome death and he's appearing to them. So this notion of making breakfast, I love that. I, I mean, you know, Jesus apparently did some cookouts along the way, or I'm sure yeah. the dis disciples did as they made their way around. And it's very inviting. It's non-judgmental. Um, you know, sit down, let's, let's just share something. And then he has this wonderful conversation with Peter. Now, you know, I'm sure Peter was expecting to be judged here. You know, you right. ran away. Right. Where were right. you? 
You're the one who is blurting out you go to uh, you go to death yourself in testimony of me, and then he he fouls the whole thing up. Right. So the beautiful way that this takes place and the gentleness in which it is done. And I, I, I keep thinking about this, Kevin, because uh, Bishop Bob Barron is always talking about young people who are leaving the church in droves. And the way back is a non-judgmental invitation to yeah. come and meet the Lord. And it can be around a table. It could be on a little cookout or wherever. Uh, the setting says so much. And, and how gently he moves and motivates Peter. So simply just it, it being present with people, um, you know, it, it is so important. It reminds me of something in a different way, like a friend of mine who is Catholic. Um, she mentioned she was really, uh, she really liked um, Timothy Dolan's Easter message she saw on CBS News on Easter morning and I, and I didn't listen to it and she sent it to me and I, I finally did. It's a minute and a half, but what he some, does just very simply is that he invited Christians and Jews and non-believers and he invited them in just such a way. I said, let's, the non-believers, he said, you know, we just want to be uh, open to the life that comes with spring uh, uh, the new life out of the darkness <clears throat> didn't really mention anything about Jesus or the faith. I mean, he did when he addressed the Christians and Catholics. So it was something that she, I thought more interesting, Ron, was the fact that she felt drawn towards the church, even though she, she typically doesn't go. And I think you had mentioned about it's opportunity for us Catholics, practicing Catholics, to look for those times to step in. We, we hear something like that, and then what could be our next invitation? Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what this uh, evangelical program called Alpha is all about. And some of our uh, folks at Mary Seat have participated in that. Um, you gather around a table and have dinner. And you just talk with folks and visit with folks in an unjudgmental way. And then there's a 20-minute video, I think, uh, something about Jesus and his life, much like this uh, evangelical outreach that's going on right now called The Chosen, the film uh, that is depicting, depicting Jesus's life. And then the conversation revolves around your life and some connection that you might have. Um, with a higher power or specifically towards Jesus because you're seeing him in that non-judgmental moment and you're kind of taken up with what he says and what he does. Well, I and, think that uh, you come right back to that conversation between Jesus and Peter, right? And I think about my friend who has some trepidation of maybe coming back to the Catholic Church. Peter probably had, like you said, a lot of trepidation Sure. being with the Lord and waiting for, you know, the cudgel, but Jesus never presented that. Um, you know, it just shows uh, Peter, uh, it shows Jesus focusing on the good things of Peter, on his capacity to love, not his failure. He, you know, and Jesus believes in Peter, you know, Lord, you know me. 
You know, there's no such thing as Catholic guilt. And what's not written there? Mario, go ahead. I was just going to say that what's not in that gospel story, but certainly must have happened with the other disciples who were there that day. uh, uh, You know, they must have sat around with Jesus like he did for those uh, two people on the road uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus and opened up to them so that they could see that the Messiah had to suffer in order to come to his glory. And then it all started making connections. And then, of course, this was reinforced then, uh, somewhat later, after he leaves, to send the Spirit, which we're going to commemorate on Sunday in the great feast of Pentecost, coming of the Spirit to remind us about what Jesus said and did, so that we wouldn't forget it. Uh, So it all comes together rather nicely around this apostolic fish cry, so to speak. It's an interesting quote I I found. a, a website called Sacred Space. It's by Irish Jesuits. And they had quoted uh, after Pope Francis's election, he was asked, who is this, you know, Jorge Bergoglio? And, and Pope Francis re- replied, Jorge is a sinner who has been called. And I am called? Yes, I'm called because I am loved. And I'm loved without conditions. Um, you know, so my being loved does not depend on how loving I am. I'm also called to love, is Jesus' love to the end, as he does tells us in this directive. And, you know, am I able to let go of control of being in charge of as I was or throughout my life? Um, am I able to let go? Like I was going to about to say, there is no such thing as Catholic guilt. It's really guilt that we put on ourselves or others. But Jesus, in this, certainly, this um, exchange between Peter and Jesus um, shows you his endless mercy. Yes, he restores to Peter what he gave him some time before that, when he said, uh, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, my community of faith. Uh, he, he didn't take that away. He restored it. Uh, that's that's the beautiful thing here. Opens and restores, and then says to Peter, "Follow." Yeah, that's I think the you're... message message for us too, right there, right? Yeah, like you said, reiterate. Peter is reinstated. He's given great responsibility for care. Oh yes, um, right. you know, and it, I, I again, I thought it'd be an interesting reflection question for all of us is. You know, how, how do I feel if if Jesus were here right in front of me and asked me the same? Um, can I at least be a good follower of Jesus? And what is that? What does that mean to follow me? So back to my homage to uh, my Led Zeppelin song, Ten Years Gone, was really uh, quoted by uh, one father, Donald Calloway, as I mentioned um, in his bio. This essentially reads from his bio. He was a high school dropout. He was kicked out of uh, Japan. I remember reading he was actually handcuffed to the fuselage of the plane and deported. Um, And this is over drugs. He was institutionalized twice and thrown in jail multiple times. And it states that he had a radical conversion to Catholicism. So he's a surfer priest. uh, And he writes in his book, in his 10 year anniversary of his biography, that he basically didn't 
want to write about his sins is to be uh, boastful anyway, if it sounds ironic or proud of what he did, but really showing the depths of Jesus's love. Um, so we have real life, present day uh, people, of quote, quote unquote, saints in our, our present world. Uh, the Holy Spirit is working through. Um, so uh, he's a, just a wonderful, uh, wrote a book, uh, No Turning Back. It's called A Witness to Mercy. So, And uh, perhaps we might end this today. I found something very interesting along other lines, but uh, touching on the very same notion by a woman named Diana McAlental, uh from a work called The Work of Your Hands. And I'd like to use this, yep. Kevin, as a closing prayer today. Great. So here it comes. Lord God, you promise that your word is very near to us, already in our mouths and in our hearts. Give me your spirit and teach me what to say. Stand guard over my mouth and temper my heart when emotions raise and words easily cut. Help me to know when to speak up, to be a cry for the poor and a voice in the desert, and teach me the wisdom to know when to be silent. Give me the grace to speak simple words like, please, thank you, yes, I love you, and strengthen me to say words that sometimes need to be said. I was wrong, I'm sorry, forgive me, I forgive you, let my yes be yes, my no mean no, and my promises be kept, and above all, May I remember that even if I speak with the tongues of angels and yet do not have love, I'm simply making noise. So let my tongue be silenced if I ever forget you. Beautiful words that Wonderful. she wrote there. Great, Ron. So we end with the blessing as we always do. May Almighty God bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May you hear his call. And may you, like Peter, follow the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ron, thank you very much. Wonderful. Uh, have a wonderful Pentecost. And you too, Kevin. Ron, I didn't promote you this week, so I, you know, I don't know. I... <laughs> well, that's fine. We don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, Ron, take care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Quarantined is a Mary Seat of Wisdom Dynamic Original Podcast.